We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Life's got you down, you do what you can, but don't worry, man, it's all good, man. Yes, that's right, welcome to It's All Good Man. Of course, it is a podcast discussing Saul Goodman and his escapades in Better Call Saul, along with the whole cast and crew. Oh, they get up to so many lovely things with their shots. Their wide shots, wide shot after wide shot. We do love them so. My name is Jacob Burrows. And I am Jim Scampoli, and I am just a hapless fool trying to do the best I can in life, but life keeps throwing itself in my way, making me go on my worst impulses and maybe heading down a path of, you know, soul damage, but at what cost? But that's neither here nor there. We're here to discuss Better Call Saul. Yes, uh, at what cost indeed. Um, so if you don't know, who the who would listen to this if they had no... Better Call Saul is, uh, you know, it's a spinoff off of Breaking Bad, Jim. Did you know this? I, I've, I've heard Pray Tell this. Uh, no, I'm mm, kidding. Bre- I knew. I've watched all of Breaking yeah. Bad. You're a fool if you haven't. Yeah, we've all watched Breaking Bad many a times, and uh, we should have a podcast discussing that. I'm sure we will in due time. Um, but meanwhile, there's... Better call Saul. And uh, I'm sure a lot of us said, you know, Saul Goodman, a show with just the lawyer? Huh? What? What's what's this? And now we're four seasons in, and we know what this is. In fact, we're so far in that when Breaking Bad was this far, it's kind of crazy what was happening in Breaking Bad. Not to say anything negative about Better Call Saul, because it's a fantastic show. But we are going to uh, get into all the details of the first four episodes this time around, and then check back in a little bit later. Usually these days, we like to go episode by episode on shows really we really care about. But I will say, Better Call Saul is a show that uh, marinates well. It's good to get a few in the can, and then we can sort of... It's going to be more of a mood board, a bit of a here and there on our feelings so far on Season 4. Jim, what are you feeling so far on Season 4? I am loving it. Um, The one thing... I mean, one thing I remember I messaged you as I was watching the premiere is I was like, this is Season Uh, (laughs) 4? Because... Uh, I mean, this show's been been great from the beginning, but it does feel like uh, I was trying to think like, well, what happened? I was trying to go through, you know, my mental Rolodex and season one is kind of like, I don't want to say it's nothing because it's set up the Saul world. You know what I mean? Where we're kind of getting into the vibe, shaking off Breaking Bad a little bit, but also, you know, reminding us we're still kind of in it. And that, like, that universe is existing around uh, Jimmy McGill and, you know, meeting his brother and all that. But I was completely surprised because, like, there's no way this isn't season three. Uh, but, nope, I was wrong. It's season four because I think season one had something to do with what? He stole the money and gave the money back or something or other. <laughs> I thought you were more, f- like, in a broader sense saying, surely they should have achieved more mm-hmm. by uh, season four of uh, Better Call Saul, plot-wise. But no, you were literally saying uh, you thought there was a s- this was the third one. That's what you were saying. It really was that. I really just... And I guess mm. it is because of the events. And again, there's nothing wrong. It's just getting into the tempo of the show. It is... Um, it is a show that kind of marinates just in the episode and it does take its time, 
not in a bad way at all. Uh, but it's weird to think, you know, it's been four years, I guess, since the show premiered. Uh, and, yeah. and plus the hard thing is it's been quite a break since season three ended. It feels like it's been over a year basically. Right. Yes. Roughly. Well, you know, I, I just say yes. I, I don't have yeah. the numbers in front of me, but it feels like it. Uh, I see where you're coming from. At the same time, I look back at season one and I'm like, God damn, so much happened in season one. Maybe that's just because I felt that at the end of season one, I was like, he's Saul. He became Saul. Oh, We're done. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, he yeah. does, he at the end, he's like, I never should have given that money back. And he like throws his books out the window and, and like drives fast down the road. And then season two starts with him literally going back. And like, oh, wait, we still have more writing to do. It felt a little bit like, and I've liked every season, uh, pretty much liked every episode of this show. Uh, but still, it felt like they made so much progress that they were like, oh, wait, no, we can still we can tear him down more. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and one thing to what you said uh, at this point in Breaking Bad, I'm almost positive uh, around this point in Breaking Bad, or at least a few weeks removed, they'd already announced... All right, we got an end game in sight. Uh, one more season, which is basically two seasons, uh, and we're yeah. done. And it's weird to think, uh, you know, here we are at Better Call Saul, but it, it almost feels like this show could keep going, which I'm completely yeah. fine with. Oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, let's, you know, get in some deets, some ins and outs of what's been what's been going on in the world of Saul. Uh, last time we checked in. Spoilers for uh, Better Call Saul up to episode four of season four, by the way. Uh, Chuck died. Uh, You know, I remember people going like, maybe we didn't see him burn up. And it's like, have you been watching this show? They're not that bad. Like the writers are so far above that. They wouldn't do that and then just pull out the rug from under you. Uh, Chuck's dead. So this season feels like it's basically going to be Jimmy dealing with that and the way it affects his relationship um of course uh and just everything in general well so starting off he's literally burning they're sitting in front of his burning house there at the start uh well there's a, they did that interesting thing at the beginning well i mean for, should, we, should, we should talk about the gene scenes first i guess uh but yeah. but real quick i do want to say so far four episodes in I'm way more tuned in with Jimmy's story and I'm kind of like zoning out when we're going into Gus and Nacho and Mike. And I know that's kind of like, what are you crazy? Like, I get it. Like, I, I, I still love seeing those characters and I'm interested in it. But even though it's like blood and shooting and this and that and like, oh, my God, the setup for Breaking Bad. This is the behind the scenes. This is how we get to uh, Gus gets to where he's at. I'm kind of like, I want to see Jimmy throw a fucking ball against the wall and yeah. see what he's going to do next. And I think that's, at least personally where I'm coming from, uh, I think that's kind of a testament to the show and kind of how they can make this uh, more grounded personal drama just as gripping as the, you know, cool kick-ass stuff. And again, I still love all the cool kick-ass stuff, but I'm like anxiously waiting to get back to Jimmy and Kim uh, while that stuff's going on but yeah real quick it does start out and I, i'm all in for this gene stuff because i forgot like did they only do one or did they t- or did they do two last year i mean i know you probably don't know the answer if i don't know the answer i don't think you know the answer uh but i what, had to two last year as far as the 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 flash forwards to gene like do they, they one every season right 
Yeah, but I wasn't sure if one of the seasons they did like one in the premiere and one in the finale because I forgot. I don't think this last year's finale did it because they had the flashback to like um, Chuck and Jimmy in the tent. You know what I mean? To set up the the end again. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm just asking questions to the void. If you know it, hit us up at the email <laughs> shows, as you know, show at Gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, because I forgot that, it, you know, we had that scene last season where he kind of helps that dude and but then he you know uh, comes close to maybe outing himself and then he collapses at the uh cinnabon that he works at and we got a nice yeah. long scene here to start out the season um you know where he's at the er and you know, some nice tension as he's trying to figure out like at first when he's giving a social security number I'm like, is he just making something up? I mean, of course he's not. Uh, but I guess, yeah, it's the big test of the identity that he got uh, at Breaking Bad. Is this really going to wash? Is this going to go through? Um, yeah. And again, like, I'm I'm so excited to, I assume, we'll get to a point where we're going to sit in this uh, for a little bit, like once they kind of catch up a bit more. Uh, I know this is all hearsay. Are we going to see... Are we going to see Jesse? Are we going to see Walt? I'm not asking those questions. Uh, but again, yeah. and, it, and he gets in the cab, and then we see that there's an Albuquerque air freshener, and I believe it's William Forsythe, the actor that's driving, and he's given uh, Gene the eyes. Because, I mean, this guy, if you're from Albuquerque, you know Saul Goodman, right? Right. So who's that actor? Like, he's not been in this, has he? No, he, uh, I know him from, he was, well, let me make sure it's actually him that was on. Okay. That was the guy. Sure. Uh, uh, while you're making sure, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll tie in what you were saying a moment ago with what you're saying right now, which is, um, uh, I can't believe, I, I, I don't believe that you and I are alone in finding the soul stuff more interesting than the Breaking Bad stuff. And I think that's an accurate way of describing it as the Breaking Bad territory where we get into Gus and Mike and yeah, Gus and Mike and the, you know, the brothers and all that stuff. It's all well and good. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Like what makes it, what, what makes stuff engaging in a prequel? What are the limitations of a prequel? What are the advantages? Because, you know, it's easy to point at limitations. But I've really, like, obviously, we know how a lot of these characters die. Like, yes. We know how Gus dies. We know yep. how Mike dies. Uh, the twins or the brothers, whatever. Uh, like, we know how all of them die. So it takes some of the air out of it. But I don't think that's the main thing, actually, when it comes to a prequel. I think a prequel, as far as at least this one, um, the thing is, in, in, better, in, in Breaking Bad they told the story they made it the main story and they started the story exactly when it should have started and they ended it when it should have ended so seeing how it was before that story is not so interesting to me but because they never really explored Saul to a huge extent I'm so down to get into his story and at the same time he is also alive afterwards of course that helps but I don't think that's the main thing because uh, even Gus I feel like I got, I understood Gus more than I understood Saul, weirdly. Saul was like a, a Joker trickster character in the original show, while Gus, we understood his motivation and we were along for the ride and we saw his demise and nothing in his life is going to be more dramatic than that. But things in Saul's life clearly can be more dramatic than they were in Breaking Bad. We've been seeing it for seasons now. Yes. Let me correct myself. It's not William Forsyth. I did find it because a bunch of people were saying that it was as well and then they were corrected. Oh as I am. That is Don Harvey. Uh, but yeah, some glaring eyes. But yeah, quick quick to what you're saying. Yeah, because it's like, especially in Breaking Bad, 
we learned um, Gus's, you know, history for the most part with with the flashbacks and such. Uh, yeah. And we're not getting a n- different element, really, of Gus. Uh, don't get me wrong. Again, it's great to see Gus. It's there's a lot of real fun stuff that's happening around it, and we are seeing his, you know, uh, as he's getting more and more power. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it, I'm 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 so in with Jimmy, and it's it's nice to have these. But yeah, I'm I'm always like, let's get back to Jimmy. I I want to know what's going on in his story. Yeah, and we're putting like a, a dozen prefaces on each of our sentences. So let me start this one by saying, Mike's great. I like Mike. Okay. I'm not a fan. Uh, it's just that, you know, uh, we, we, there's a lot of scenes with Mike where he... Uh, last season, if you didn't uh, catch up with our coverage, we called we 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 came up with the name for Mike, um, Mike Erman Trout, the patient loser. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I think it's fairly apt uh, because he just sits around and watches things. And sure, I do enjoy his scenes and I enjoy him, but I also know that dramatically speaking, I don't feel he's that different from the start of Breaking Bad. In fact, I feel he has never changed in his life. Like, I know he's going down, you know, he's doing criminal stuff now and he wasn't at the start of the first season. But you know what? I feel like he's pretty much there. Uh, to be fair, Saul's almost there too, or Jimmy, I should say. Like, they're they're teetering on the edge. But Mike is really like, you know... He, he's doing all the things, I feel, that he was doing. Like, maybe he hasn't killed someone. Maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah, no, not really. I mean, outside of, uh, uh, of course, like uh, his son, you know, getting revenge there. <laughs> uh, well, he didn't yeah. kill his son, but you know what I mean? Like the getting revenge right. for Sounded his son. Right, sounded dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you really forgot the first season. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm in complete agreement. And I'm actually, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of Mike, but... Um, yeah, I'm just kind of over the character. Because ev- everyone would complain if you said that. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, I get it, he's cool. And I know the actor's cool, and I know the writers like the character, and they like the actor. But yeah, what, what we see Mike through these episodes, what he's what he does, he's like, oh, I got this money, but I need to make it real because I'm a loser, and I have nothing going on in my life. <laughs> So, you know, it's you know, he steals the guy's key card. He he actually does the, the security job, which is kind of fun. And then he, you know, has dealings with Lydia where she's like, why are you doing that? And it's like, oh, because he's Mike and he's a loser and he has nothing else going on. Um, and then even up until because the thing is, I will probably be jumping around a bit anyways. Episode four, I feel, is the weakest of these episodes, um, mostly because it deals a lot with mike and gus and that and this cliffhanger they have in that episode where it's like just tell me the the job and then it ends but i'm kind of like i don't even care what the job is so it's Mm. it's not as gripping to me as i get howard i guess that's your cross to bear and then jimmy starts happily making coffee or whatever he does or um i mean i guess the gus with the you know i know what you've done you're mine that was pretty good but the letter in episode three, like the letter, what a fucking, what a punch of yeah. an ending. And to me, it's kind of like, all right, I guess Gus and Mike, this is when they're starting to really build their relationship. Eh. But it's almost like, cause Mike, you know, he has that moment in the, at the end of episode four, he's like, well, you're going to make a move. You better hurry up. But I know you're not. And it's like, yeah, I know you're not either. 
So uh, <laughs> that's true. I, I, I mean, I, I I'm hesitant. I'm, I know I'm being flippant, and I do sound pretty negative. Uh, I don't want to do that, but I am just kind of again. It's just because I'm so into some of the other stuff. Yeah, it adds up. Uh, for me, that moment at the end of the episode, I, I actually kind of liked it because it put in perspective some of the stuff in the episode where we've seen Gus, the way he acts with everyone, when he's with Nacho and he's like, get some rest, you have work to do. Uh, that line and like everything he does, like even, you know, in this previous episode when he, uh, or well, yeah, even earlier, when with the whole plastic bag thing, um, he's always doing a sort of performance and playing people like even the box cutter jumping back to breaking bad that was not about the person he killed it's about the person he wants to affect uh that's why he's getting his hands dirty and meanwhile we've had mike the whole thing with the grief counselor group i almost i i kind of wished that he would be wrong you know because he's never wrong about anything but i should have known better because of course he's not wrong um but it put it a bit in perspective because it was like, yeah, Gus does this shit with everyone else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Mike's going to call him on his shit. So that's going to build a bit of um, or validate the respect that Gus has for him. Um, but I see where you're coming from at the same time. And yeah, and you're right. I mean, to the credit of um, uh, Jonathan Banks. Yeah, Jonathan Banks and the character of Mike and especially that scene. He played that great. I mean, I even yeah. even though I'm like shitting on him here and there, like that was a really well done scene in the way he's like, because even before the liar is telling his lie, uh, what Henry talking about his fake wife, even when it was just his daughter-in-law talking about um, uh, Mikey or Maddie, I'm sorry, talking about Maddie and how she's afraid she's going to forget him. And you could see that Mike's having these emotions, obviously, and I mean, of course he would, but he's trying to hold it in because he is the patient loser and he doesn't want to give anything away. And he is the person that watches people and looks for their tells. And he's almost, I, I mean, he is having tells in these moments and you could, I love how he's trying to hold them back. So I, I'll have to give credit where credit's due. Like all that stuff was handled really well. It is it is a bit much like, of course, once he says it earlier in the episode when they're just at the diner, even though we don't know quite who he's talking about, what he's talking about, I immediately know he's going to be correct because he's pretty yeah. much always correct. But that's why it's so great that I know that in his future is a little man named Walter White that's going to put that piece of shit in his place and he's going to be sitting by oh, a river God. like a dummy uh, bleeding to death. Um <laughs> Spoilers, Breaking Bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess maybe should we not give spoilers, Breaking Bad? No. No, I don't care. Watch Breaking Bad. Come on, if you're listening to this podcast, just watch Breaking Bad, okay? You'll really like it, I promise. Uh, But yeah, the the group stuff was really great. I will will say that for sure. Um, Going back real quick to the premiere, I did think it was interesting, like the weird stylish choice with the burning embers kind of just floating uh like through the house as it like just transitions mm-hmm. to uh Jimmy and Kim in bed or whatever um cuz i mean obviously breaking bad and saul are are stylish shows and they always try to do you know fun camera angles and stuff like that but that seemed a little bit more uh I don't want to say meta, but just kind of like, I guess, artistic uh, for what we're used to. I guess it ties in because they did the the flashback that goes into the lamp and then it transitions like uh, from the finale from last year. But I, I thought it was it yeah. kind of caught me off guard a little bit. 
a lot of what they do is very sort of um you know it's very naturalistic in a weird way but at the same time they're com- like they're the, the way they compose their images is so iconic still like i joked about the wide shots they have so many wide shots and that the advantage of that is like this is the world as you're seeing it we're not fucking around with you uh so it is interesting when they throw in those little artistic things where you wouldn't necessarily expect uh and and they usually don't uh you know we we discuss uh, for example uh, the sopranos on our podcast cut to black and sometimes they'll do make stylistic choices where i'm like oh what what, what was that <laughs> would you okay i guess and here I, i'm never like flinching in that sort of way uh it always feels like it's part of it yeah yeah and i guess uh real quick you mention that we discussed sopranos we did get uh an email from spencer uh discussing our soprano show but he also added a little stuff to the end here discussing better call saul so we can kind of go through some of his thoughts real quick while we're on it uh, season three finale has been the highlight of the series so far for me. The montage of Chuck tearing apart his house. Beautiful and tragic. Great use of music. But the first two episodes of season four have almost topped that. Uh, well, Howard, that's your cross to bear. Cold. I loved it. Uh, Jimmy trying to get the job at the copy place and rejecting it and making fun of the owners. What the hell was going on here? Very confusing. Um, and then he talks about the Kim versus Howard, but I want to save that because we'll probably get into that as well. But yeah, he does yeah. say easily one of the best scenes of the entire series so far. Um, yeah, the 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 end of the uh, the end of the premiere when um, Jimmy hits him with the cold, like that's your cross to bear. Like that kind of hit me more as far as what the hell's going on here, at least for a moment. As I'm like, oh yeah, obviously, uh, you know, because. Howard comes in with this uh, revelation that it was a suicide, but then it ties into how Chuck was pushed out, which, of course, we know was due to Jimmy because he started raising concerns about the insurance and uh, Chuck's, um, you know, disease or whatever, uh, mental state, Uh, which it's such an interesting way to do it because in, in a lot of ways, obviously, even though Jimmy was being underhanded, it was kind of the truth. And I get, it's just that weird way of using the truth against somebody. But then, of course, it's not like he wanted it to push his brother to suicide. And what a great way that, like, you know, I can relate to where it just kind of you compartmentalize, just push it down and uh, try to act like, all right, smooth sailing from here. Don't worry about it. Uh, and just like a good way to leave the audience like, oh, okay. Uh, that's where we're going and it does feel like it's the complete perfect setup for this whole season absolutely and i think the copy copy scenes that we get coming up are also a great continuation of that because it is this moment of what the fuck it's so weird that he turns twice because he he pretty much had the job the first time around but he wants to make a show of it and that at that point we're like oh yeah Saul he's or you know Jimmy is doing his thing you know yeah. well, he's the best yeah and then he like says you know then he just wrecks it but there's no clear motive behind it other than like fuck you like why <laughs> would you why would you trust me because he thinks he shouldn't be trusted he thinks he shouldn't be liked so uh of course he turns that against them and he you know, he 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 wants to be bad because he's done something so bad that, like, what the fuck, right? That's basically yes. my read on it. Yes, one of the writer's quotes on it, uh, I think, is pretty perfect. It's, 
why would I want to join a club that would let me be a member? Um, yeah. And that like completely is obviously nailing like where Jimmy's at. Like he's in this weird self-loathing, but it's not going to show it. He's not going to let it get it down. He's going to put up this facade, this this Saul Goodman facade almost. Uh, was so close. Uh, and yeah, it's not about getting a job. It's just kind of having a thing to do all day uh, besides a job. Uh, <laughs> and then as we see, I mean, in episode four, he gets pushed to take a job because now it's like Kim's talking about how maybe he should talk to somebody about his feelings and stuff. And it's like, uh Oh, you know, uh, I can't just be saying I'm going out for a job every day. Uh, it sounds good if I get a job. Um, but yeah, the scene is perfect. And I love that. Uh, it kind of also makes at least me in the audience anyways, it make, it's kind of saying like, Oh, you're a fucking idiot too. Because to me, I'm like, hell yeah, I'd give this guy a job. Like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and then he points yeah. out all the reasons why you'd be stupid to do that. Like, oh, I could be a serial murderer. I could pee in your coffee. I could be both. Uh, and he just nails it. And it's also kind of really so awkward because those guys seem like nice guys. And yeah. and, and it's also a, a great just take on. We've seen that scene played seriously in movies and TV shows. And it is just set up for the great victory. And, but the rea- uh, the reality of it is, yeah, why did you just hire the guy came in and just started fast talking? I mean, given it's a sales job, so it does show some sales experience or, you know, the ability to sell something. But it's still like, what are you doing? Why would you just be like, all right, yeah, you know what? Let's start today. You're hired. You've you know, got the goods. You know what? No, I, I, will, I will fight that. I will say they were right to try to hire him because... Anyone you hire off the street is going to be a likely serial killer. Like, what were they going to look up? Like, his police record or, I, well, I guess, is some, that a thing? Some places do do that. They do a background check on you. Yeah, they'll run your information. Like, they go through a service. In and case it- what, you'll – just in case you <laughs> fuck the copy machines? Like, it's not a high risk. Yeah. Like, they need to slang these things, Jim. Yeah, very true. Very true. And, and you're right. I mean, he really should have just been hired from the jump anyways. He knew all the stuff. He knew the copiers. And I like how they throw in that little – like he calls out a certain model from the picture and he's yeah. like, yeah, I know it well. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, you used, people used to make counterfeit $5 bills with those. And it's like, oh yeah, of course. That's exactly what he was doing. You know, that's how he knows it. <laughs> it's not from the mailroom. He was making counterfeit money with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knows it from both sides, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, maybe. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, you know, he, he goes ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even think of that, Jim. I'm an idiot. I, of course, I should would hire him. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, but yeah, he he turns around on it. Uh, it is it is nice as well the way the work they put into the set and these characters, like you mentioned, are so likable. I could easily have imagined like this is going to be several episodes with them, uh, and then of course it is followed up when we we get the Hummel heist. Um, another, you know hilarious uh like that's something that would happen in breaking bad and except in breaking bad it would end with someone you know being shot in the head uh <laughs> yeah. but it's just a, a thing where they steal it uh and 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 that's still more tense to me than you know nacho getting shot and sewn up i think happening maybe at the same time there you know yes yeah and i i missed it but i mean i saw everyone talking about it on twitter but when the guy is ordering pizza and he says throw in some dipping sticks and I didn't catch the, you know, Breaking Bad when Walt's trying to, like, make good with the family. And he shows up with pizza. And he's like, but I've got dipping sticks. So, ah, there you go. What a great connection. And then what we yeah. also see the guy who was the head of um, 
the the Vominos pest. Oh yeah, Ira. Ira is the one who does the stealing of the Hummel. But yeah, you're right because it's okay. such it's weird. It's great tension, but it is such low stakes tension because worst case. If that nerd found him, he would just like punch him or something and run out. But given like the jig would be up, some, they would know something happened. But still, it's not like there wasn't life or death really on the line, but it still felt like it. Uh, really well done stuff. Did he leave the glove there in the end, though? Huh. That I'm not sure. Because they, they do like a lingering shot where the glove is up there. And I, I you know, I, I wasn't paying that close attention, but they really hung on it. So I'm like, huh, are they following mm. up on this? But it seems like at this point, it's almost, you know, yeah. too late. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, yeah, he does say, uh, yes, I'd like my pizza sliced, please. Because as we know, when Walt threw it on the roof, it was not a sliced pizza. <laughs> what a weird uh, thing to like, like, oh, yeah, let's throw in a thing for here. But. That's classic Gilligan and the gang, as I like to call them. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I didn't catch either of those. And you know what? I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, it doesn't seem that central. But, yeah, they do like to do those sorts of things for sure. Um, so that's, you know, what what else is going on in Jimmy's, you know, storyline? I mean, obviously he gets the job eventually. Like you mentioned, he bounces that ball. He's really bored. I do like... You know, the when they do sell the Hummel and he has the idea of like, no, a phone. What is a phone? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's privacy. That was cool. And that's at the same time. I can still see him like slanging phones uh, for three episodes. And at the same time, I feel like he probably won't, but uh, he could. And I would enjoy that. No, I'm completely with you. Like I was I'm, I'm just waiting for how it's like the boss is going to come in and Jimmy's turn this place around like the, the dead store. <laughs> now he's got and they're like. We got big future for you, uh, James. You know, you're doing great here. And, of course, he's going to, like, fuck this. I don't want to do this. I'm not a fucking – I don't care about this shit. I don't care. Uh, but, yes, I mean, let's uh, – we have to talk about Kim. Uh, Ray Seahorn yep. fucking killing it this season, even though it's very early in the season. I mean, she's always been really good, but they've given her, you know, two very specific – I mean, two very specific moments to shine. Again, she always shines. But – I love how it yeah. plays out because I wasn't even really thinking of the angle with uh, uh, with Howard because it did it, here, yeah. it felt like Howard's moment at the end of the premiere did feel genuine and uh, like he was just trying to be uh, you know truthful to Jimmy and really just kind of uh, you know hang his head in shame and tell him what's going on, but then everything she said was absolutely correct. Uh, even, even though it's, you know, much like this show, it's a little bit of both. It's not like it wasn't completely malicious, like she says, but there was an element of that because it's like, yeah, the funeral just happened. You're dumping this in his lap. You, uh, now we got this fucking letter and this $5,000 like slap in the face or whatever. And she just, the scene is so great. I mean, you've seen it. What, what else am I going to say? She's great in it. Uh, it's, it's such a fuck. Yeah. Moment. And it's really like, I guess I never, I was thinking about it in more context of the show of the Jimmy and Kim relationship. I guess I always, I was never really rooting for them as a couple because I always mm. assumed that Jimmy was somehow scheming a little bit and he kind of always is. So I was like, oh, is yeah. this a real thing? But when I've seen her on his side like this, now I'm like rooting for her, rooting for them, knowing that it must not end well, you know? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic scene, and uh, even just her anger is fantastic. And then the moment when her voice breaks and you almost start crying, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's such a powerful scene. I don't even know what to say. And I'm assuming when you mentioned two scenes, the second one is the letter. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it's yeah, uh, that's also such a killer scene yeah. and such a great choice to put it in a wide shot, or at least for most of it, with with both of them and his blasé reading of it. That is so like she's not really crying because she's she would have been crying if he was reading it and crying, but she's crying because he's not crying because he doesn't have he doesn't sound like he has a soul. Yeah. So that's rough. Yeah, and uh, backing up real quick before the letter, um, in that episode two. Again, like I'm talking about how I'm rooting for the them as a couple, but that they end their day, they both go home and they both lie to each other. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's kind of like they're both like, oh, yeah, how was the day? Oh, it was good. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm having dinner or whatever. And what? That's when. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, basically, that's when he, you know, got the job, shoved it in their face and clearly has an issue because now he's like calling the next place ready to just having fun going on interviews. And then, of course, she had this big blow up with Howard and, you know, there's damage with both of them and they're not they should be sharing it with each other. Like the people that the the, the most important person that will probably be able to help them is sitting right there. But it's like, you know, they can't it's easier said than done, except they can't say it. So it's not easier said. At all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good point. Uh, no, that's very true. And, and you know, <clears throat> let's let's keep going into her character now that we're on it. As far as uh, the bank, Mesa Verde, and everything going on there, like, what's your take on all of that? I mean, I guess it's all coming back to, I mean, basically where she, I mean, we're still seeing the repercussions of it, how she's walking around with a cast with fading bruises. Again, it's just more... I don't want to say more than she can handle, but uh, obviously it's just too much. Uh, Shout-outs to Lane, Kiko Aegina, which I'm almost positive was definitely in this episode. I don't know if you noticed this, <laughs> right. uh, but Lane from Gilmore Girls is her um, like assistant. Paralegal? Yes, her uh, paralegal. I did not notice, but I do know who that is. Gilmore Girls, great show, everyone. Okay, I did, ver- I did verify it is her. Uh, so, yeah, okay. that was cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's they did show that picture. Well, not that picture. That shot when she's looking at all the models and she looks through one, and it's almost like bars. Like she's in a she's trapped because uh, they yeah. they do a shot from the inside. So, and it it is kind of like this fucking guy that uh, she's working for that like the that's setting up all the banks or whatever. I mean, clear she's just been in this accident, and now he, it it's you know, it's played as like, this is all a surprise to her. Like, oh yeah. And also all this, let's do all this on one hand, if it's your dream job and you're kind of really about to make some money and build a firm, it's great. But on the other hand, it's like, I have all this stuff in my life and now I have to spend all this time with this shit that I don't care about anymore. Yeah. I don't think she came in. I don't recall, but I don't think she came in and was like, Hey, this injury happened due to the stress you're True. putting me under, Fair. motherfucker. Also, my boyfriend's brother just died, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't have a soul anymore. So, so like, you know, to be fair to them, but yes, this is a very big thing to drop on you. And it almost seems like 
just from their reactions that it's so unrealistic maybe but maybe it is in today's you know venture capitalist world maybe it could happen or maybe it's the biggest thing loss ever and maybe that's all on her shoulders fun uh so she kind of reacts to that hands it over to lane um and uh she, so in the latest episode, she goes to the courthouse and sits in with a judge. And, you know, my dumb brain is like, oh, she wants to be a judge now. <laughs> like, that's literally yeah. what I thought. Yeah. And I still wasn't convinced at the end of the episode, even though they explain it very clearly yeah. what is apparently going on. I'm like, I think she might end up being a judge still, even if she doesn't know it. I think I know it. Yeah, and I mean... I. Uh... You knew she was going to be there, obviously. I was just waiting for her to just all of a sudden be the counsel. Like, <laughs> clearly, that's not how it works. But all of a sudden, it's almost like she just walks up, like, I'll be uh, counsel for this person, Your Honor. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like they're both they're both going out in the day looking for something uh, where they could probably help each other find what they're looking yeah. for. And it's, it's interesting to see. And again, because it is like, uh, it seems good, you know, when they're together, things seem good. And I guess that's, that's probably a thing for a lot of very troubled relationships. Hey, we're together. It seems good. But then, uh, we both have these weird secrets or these weird things. We just can't tell each other, uh, back to the letter real quick. Um, I remember when they, when they read it, well, because first, I should have known something was up because typically that's not till episode eight or something, you know, depending on what they were going to do with this letter. Uh, if they did, I guess, the more obvious thing, it wouldn't have been till later where maybe Jimmy's coming out of his his uh, funk or maybe fugue state uh, and getting better. And then he would read the letter and it's like things come crashing down. And it, it's so weird because... I never thought for a second that it would be anything but typical Chuck horseshit. And I'm sure that's what most of the yeah. audience thought as well. But here we are an episode later and we're already at the letter. And I was telling you this off air, reading through people's comments and reactions to the episode. Like yeah. everyone is in such denial because I saw so many people <laughs> tweeting and stuff like Kim wrote the letter. She swapped the letters there's no way Chuck would write that. Or then other people's conspiracy is that Jimmy found the letter. He wrote the letter for Kim's sake. And I guess there's always a chance that maybe there's some truth to that. But I really, it feels like the better gut punch and what they would, Gilligan and the gang would do is this is the better gut punch is that, oh shit, it's a nice letter. Uh, but Jimmy's at this point where, yeah, he's just reading it like uh you know i guess a robot or like you said a soulless person and kim's just reacting to the whole situation and it's such a great powerful yeah. moment like i don't i i would pray i i don't think i'd have to hope too much because i i don't think there's any shoe that's going to drop or another shoe's going to drop or some reveal that's going to happen here but i'd hope it doesn't because it would like ruin this moment uh and it's the better play it's it's the better dramatic play for the show to have it go that way well, I have some big picture thoughts on that, but let me let me start with just the details there. Yeah. Of it, if if Jimmy wrote that letter, he would have fucking sold it. We we know what type True. of guy he is. He yep. wouldn't have been reading it like that. Mm -hmm. If she wrote the letter, she wouldn't have been crying like. 
Okay, uh, <laughs> these are the people who think Chuck is alive times a million. These yeah. are the people who still think Chuck is alive because it's a big puzzle. Uh, everything, you know, everything's got to be solved. Uh, but we didn't see this character die, so maybe they'll be alive next season. And the only reason I can say with confidence that character is dead is because that would be a bad choice. I'm not just talking about Chuck, I'm talking about Game of Thrones specifically. But when they're <laughs> like, oh, but maybe they'll be back. Uh, you know, we never know. It's like, yes, but that would be the worst writing in this case. So if they do that, it will be bad. And I have faith that they would never do that. This is that to such an extreme extent. I can't even can't even imagine why. Like, why why would they write that? This is not a puzzle show where we fit. It's not a whodunit of the letter. It's a dramatic show. You're watching a drama, people, uh, and uh, this was dramatic as hell. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they're looking for the, you know, the the Walt looks at the flower and got the idea for the ricin or whatever moment uh, from Breaking Bad. But in this in this letter situation, uh, I mean, yeah. it is interesting because it's like. Even because uh, you could even look at it like because these people are looking for looking for a way to be like, well, there's no way Chuck would write a nice letter. But you could still look at it that way. And it's almost like this is Chuck twisting the knife, uh, not knowing that like Jimmy would think he's indirectly involved in his suicide, but just in the way that he already kind of gives him a fuck you with the the 5000 and kind of just how he handles that situation and just the way he treated him that it would still work as a weird knife twist being that they were on kind of the outs just as brothers or whatever yeah. depending on when he, i mean there's no no there's no real notification on when he wrote the letter so it's hard to say but i mean if you wanted to look at it that way that's a more rational way to be like chuck's still a piece of shit Rather than, yeah, there's this big secret on someone swapped the letters out. Lane, the paralegal, <laughs> found the letter and was like, I need to help both Kim and Jimmy that I just met, and I'll write a nice letter for them. Or Howard wrote the letter or whatever, you know. Uh, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't need that. Uh, and it's the better effect to see that Jimmy's still in this mode when it comes to anything to deal with Chuck and mourning Chuck or facing his feelings around that and he's just going to be all business and back into yeah selling cell phones i guess you know yeah i i think it was fairly clear though when when the letter was written you tell me if i'm wrong uh i thought it was written while he jimmy was working in the mail room before he came and said i'm i'm a lawyer now he yeah. didn't he never said i want to be a lawyer chuck he said i am now a lawyer and that was a real you know shock to him i don't there's no way he wrote this after that not because he hated jimmy or anything but just because he was filled with such enthusiasm seeing him work so hard i feel like that would have gotten a bit messed up and he was in that mail room for a long time um so that's that's when he wrote it i agree yeah no i agree with that i think i okay. i think you're nailing it um and so i mean i guess uh, besides that of course we have the drama with nacho and basically how i mean we know he's the one that uh took out hector uh with the pills um and now we're kind of seeing the uh, the effects of that and you know Gus has got him under his finger there's been some fun stuff I mean it's fun to see the twins and when they make them talk to Hector in the hospital because the doctor like makes the recommendation like you know talk to him like he could probably hear you and it helps like the brain stimulus and they just kind of look at uh, Nacho and I, I'm spacing on the other guy's name 
and they have to like you know hey the, the salamancas will rise again <laughs> like this is great don't <laughs> worry uh i mean it's interesting it's just you know we're seeing the we already knew gus's obsession with uh hector and it is interesting because we know it's going to tie into his downfall later on and he is here he is like doing extreme things uh, where I think people make the point to him, like, you know, Hector is suffering. This is this is a great punishment here. Like, he's he had a stroke, and he's, like, trapped in his own body. Uh, but, hey, not good enough for Gus. Not good enough for Gus Fring, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's also, like, I, I always like Gus, uh, have liked and do like Gus as a character, but that's also, like, it's 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 making him a bit flatter as a character that he's like not only is he down to torture this guy like we always knew he was like he really hated this guy for you know good reason and he was planning this for a long time but now to see him like no he can never die like i will fly (laughs) in the best doctors because i know he dies in this you know later season of breaking bad like i i understand but it's also like He's so mad at Nacho because Nacho almost killed him, and I'm like, well, but you wanna, you wanted to do that too, though. Uh, it, it makes him a bit less three dimensional. And plus, as we see, he he's benefiting from it because it's like it's almost like it was the plan because he's yeah. already like the they wasted no time. Like he's got things in motion. I mean, as we've seen in this recent episode, they they take out what the Espinosas. And it's mm-hmm. basically Gus getting more and more territory um, under the guise of this, uh, you know, like a vacuum in the power structure. And it looks like it's just other families are fighting it out for this uh, territory. And Gus Fring is the one reaping the rewards. So, and we're seeing Nacho kind of stuck in the middle and dealing with his relationship with his father. It's very interesting because it's really hard to see. I mean, it's like it's not that hard to see. I'm, I'm sure it doesn't end well for Nacho, but uh, like where we're going to go with this character, basically, f- from uh, the kind of the points that we're already at. Yeah, and I mean, he is, I guess, the most intriguing part of the storyline in a way, right? Because yeah. he is an unknown, and that just adds something to it. And his relationship with his father as well. His father, who doesn't have a lot of scenes, but he does it so well. Agreed. Uh, like the frustration, because I remember him from you know the earlier season when he was so frustrated and so honorable, and he cares for his son. Like That adds so much uh, to the whole, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess somehow Mike's going to be involved because now Gus is bringing Mike in. Um, but again, it's you know, it's it's interesting stuff, and it is. I guess it's fleshing out the stuff we didn't really need to know as far as Breaking Bad's concerned. It's fleshing out, you know, the the rise to power of Gus Fring, and you know how Hector kind of ends up in the wheelchair, but. It's not really stuff that's that important. It's kind of cool that they can explore it. I like that it's a focus, but it's not the main focus, I guess. Sometimes it teeters on a little bit too much, uh, Mm -hmm. but it balances out with the rest of the show. Yeah, I will say uh, last season, especially in the first half of the last season, that was like, Gus is back, motherfucker. (laughs) So it was a lot of that stuff. Uh, And it, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it felt like, what am I watching? Like uh, an episode of Breaking Bad where nothing happens because nothing can happen yet. Uh, like that's a little bit what it felt like. And 
uh, here, I think they've struck the balance really well so far. It's all, I mean, the scenes that stick in your mind are all Saul. I'm sorry, why do I, Jimmy? <laughs> um, and, um, and, you know, everything going on on that end. Uh, of course, Rhea Seahorn and, and all of that stuff. Uh, that's what's sticking out to you. So uh, I, I think, like, even even the scene with the twins, or, or they're not twins, they're just brothers, right? Oh, yeah. Why do I keep... I'm thinking of the Matrix, uh, but anyway, uh, they they just waltz in there and kill a bunch of guys. It's not that exciting, but it is interesting in that. Oh yeah, this is you know what Gus is doing. But at the same time, we know where he ends up. Madrigal, yeah, we know what Madrigal is and what they're about. And you know, Mike's going to be there. What is Mike's job going to be? Because I feel like it's not going to be that engaging, probably. Uh, I'm sorry, I was just spacing because I was checking real quick. Yeah, they referred to as the cousins, but cousins. Then- but then, but then, in some cases, they call the twin brother, tw- twin brothers. So yeah, they're the cousins. Yeah, I guess you know. Right. Yeah, the cousins. Yeah. No, I was just uh, saying, like Mike's job. What's it actually going to be? Yes. Yeah. I mean, because obviously we know he basically becomes his right hand man. Now, uh, I'm foggy on this, but I guess Saul, Saul, and Gus don't have any type of relationship in Breaking Bad, right? Uh, it's no, just through Mike. He's just scared of him. It's just yeah. through Mike. Okay. And at one point, Mike, like Saul, is under the impression that Mike works for him, and Mike has to let him know, "No, motherfucker, I work yeah. for Gus. You're you're the side piece." Yep. And then I mean, because they they play around with it a bit, because obviously last season we had uh, that great scene where uh, Jimmy's in uh, Los Polos Hermanos and he's watching someone else and kind of, you know, out of focus, we see a guy sweeping up and working and then, you know, we got Gus Fring. Uh, and then I think uh, Jimmy almost kind of runs into the cousins when he's trying to get a guy for the job, for the Hummel job with the veterinarian, um, uh, Joe DeRosa, it's a comedian. And, you know, that's all interesting stuff. Although, Again, it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, that's the that's the stuff. That's the Breaking Bad stuff. Now, I guess the since we kind of talked all the beats, um, I I'll say I haven't looked in any spoilers, so I don't know what's what or what the known thing that might happen. But I guess it feels like we probably should be due for a Hank, some sort of Hank appearance, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they these characters are you know dropping into the show. Uh, like living flies that will one day die. Uh, like Gale is there, and yes, you know, we didn't I'm, mention Gale. That's right. That he does pop there's up. So many characters where I I feel like the show wants me to go. Oh my god, can you believe it's this dude? And I'm like, okay, what are they gonna do with this character? Like, are they gonna do anything interesting? I don't mind seeing him. He sings a fun song, and like, I, it's fun as well to see how he's angling to become the chemist. Uh, and all of that is interesting, but it's like, I'm not going to go like, oh my God, it's this guy. Granted, if Hank shows up, I might do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Gale thing was a bit, I, I do agree. It was kind of, it was nice to see, but all I was thinking is like, okay, so like we probably would never see him again. Like there's no point to bringing Gale back, I would suppose, unless, you know, unless we got to build a lab. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or we're going to get to a point where, uh, you know, what's this blue stuff on the street uh, or whatever? You know, Gail, can you look at this? Like, what's going on? What is this high, uh, you know, percentage meth? Can you believe this? Uh, I'm sure we'll have those. It's, uh, 
It's hard because saying that makes me cringe, and I'm like, fuck, that yeah. sucks. But then I, I know Vince Gilligan, what, Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, Peter Tom Gould. Schnauz. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering the female writers. That's because piece of shit yeah, I am. Of course you're not, you yeah. fucking scumbag. <laughs> but yeah. I trust them so well that I bet you we will have that moment, but it'll be awesome. So <laughs> at least I'll say well, that. But it's got, like, they've always been vague on it, but it's the early 2000s. Yeah. Granted, Breaking Bad started coming out in 2008, so I guess it, you know, starts in 2008. But is it in real time? No, it's not, because he doesn't have that many birthdays during Breaking Bad. That doesn't really matter. So I guess the end of Breaking Bad isn't in the year that it came out. Yeah, if no. it start, like, I guess it, it, they never make it super, super clear. But what we can judge is the phones. Uh, you know, in Game of Thrones, it's the ages of characters. In this, it's the phones. Yeah. Uh, what phones do they have at what times? Because I, you know, this is a prequel, but sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, no smartphones. <laughs> like an idiot. Like that's almost one of the few pieces where it's like, oh, yeah, they d- definitely did not have those. Uh, even the fax machines, I was like, yep, I know a lot of pl- – they still need copiers. So, uh, but, yes, the phones will let us know, and uh, it's got to be years. It doesn't make any sense – if it's not years, but at the same time, is every season of Better Call Saul a year? I don't think so. Yeah, well, especially this one. I mean, we've picked up kind of right after where the last season yeah. ended. Um, I mean, he they, he does keep talking about, what, 10 months from now, I'll be a lawyer again. And I have mm-hmm. to imagine this where this season's going to go will maybe not get to that point, but will be right at that point. And I have to imagine when that 10 months is up, he's Saul Goodman. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've felt that way before, though. Um, That's true. But yeah, but yeah I think so. I think you're right. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, will there be a crossover? Yeah, but it's uh, like uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> Let's one, leave it for next uh, next discussion. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing. I mean, I know this is a common thing. I think we even discussed this last season. Um, you know, the old like, how will this end? And I feel like where we're at now with the show and what we've seen so far, do you feel like we'll somehow get a happy ending for Gene? Like, are they setting it up more where, like, we've seen these not quite humble beginnings and not quite, like, uh, not that he was a pure soul, but there there was, like, more opportunity for him not to be Saul Goodman, you know? So is it yeah. maybe we're going to end full circle where we're going to get a chance or is it he's going to be beaten to death by a cab driver? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be a bittersweet ending. Yeah. Uh, most likely. I think at the same time, like even though, you know, we're taking our time with this story, it's very dramatic. Uh, he's never going to be as bad as Walter White. Yeah. He doesn't have to die. Like he did, even if he, like obviously he's done some crimes, but even if it gets caught, I I actually felt I'm sure a lot of people at the end of Breaking Bad, like the reason he was escaping and disappearing was Walter White uh, as much as anything else. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost like yeah, his crimes like he did a lot of crimes. He'd probably go to jail for a fairly long time, but you know what? He'd uh, he'd be fine. He'd be run the you know he'd run the marketplace in jail, and you know he'd he'd sort it out and become a guy who needed in there, and then he'd be out and. Uh, you know, marry his girlfriend who's now a judge. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting questions, I mean, even, even the writers ask this is um, 
Because, you know, with Breaking Bad, we know Walt and uh, Saul end up, you know, in the basement of the guy that gives you the new identity and sends you on your way. But, I mean, that's not, isn't it? A, it's a bit later on when Breaking Bad actually ends. So we don't quite know as far as where Gene's at. Like, is it in that in-between time? Is it post? Is it Walter White rest in peace time? Uh, I think it's interesting stuff that I would hope, not that they have to explore in great detail, but uh, I feel like, you know, maybe we'll get some more hints if if we revisit that, you know, story thread more. Yeah, I also feel like if Walter white died they might have even more motivation to throw the book at his lawyer yeah. which is a bit rough <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I think it's an interesting question all these black and white sequences have been so short and sweet that i almost feel like uh, are they ever really going to explore it i would assume like at least the last episode we actually talked like is there going to be a black and white season yeah what uh because that would i wouldn't be against it um but at the same time, I I don't know. He it's nice because you can explore, explore the full arc of the character before, or after, and and you know we've already seen during during Breaking Bad. Uh, so I look forward to it. Let me pitch you this. Here we go. Mm. I'm gonna pitch it to you. Uh, Gene does eventually get caught. They bring him back to Albuquerque mm. to you know face his crimes. It's all black and white, by the way. You know, yeah, they're throwing the book at him, uh, talking about Walter White, the kingpin and blah, 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 and all this stuff that happened and people that were affected and, uh, you know, the death of Hank Schrader. Um, mm. Then they bring him in to court. He squints for a second as he looks at the judge. <laughs> all of a sudden, the black and white begins to turn to color <laughs> as he sees Kim, Judge Kim Wexler uh, all rise, the Honorable Judge Kim Wexler. She calls a mistrial. He proposes. They get married. <laughs> Better call Saul. The end. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. Well, there's got to be a thing in there where, like, he's got the one phone call and he's like, Better call Kim. And then he calls, and, and she's uh, his lawyer, if not the judge. Yeah. She can be both. As you know, it's a real miscarriage of justice as long as he looks at her and then it turns to color that's because it's like oh my god Jim, i, can see I don't even i don't even think you're wrong <laughs> wow so how do you think uh better call saul will end is jim right because i i'm not joking when i say i think you might be right uh please do email us in at shows what you know show at gmail.com we'll get back to discussing better call saul in just a little bit do feel free to leave us a review on the It's All Good Man podcast feed uh, with a little text about what you'd like us to discuss in relation to Soul. Of course, there's always showswhatyouknow.com, etc. Lots of URLs, but I'll just focus on that. Send us an email, showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Yep, but the most important thing, it's all good, man. <laughs> <laughs>